0: Right, Book of Philemon. Book of Philemon. I'm going to make the the uh, I'm going to make it succinct this morning. We went over last week. If you were here last week, we went through um, the story of Philemon. I'm going to tell that a little bit uh, today. But my objective, if I can, is to dig a little bit today. My goal is to maybe pry a little bit into your personal space. If I may. Um, It's to maybe do a little bit of spiritual heart surgery this morning. We're going to talk about the subject of forgiveness from the book of Philemon. It is the obvious theme. Last week we spoke of identity, kind of a secondary theme of the book. Today is the primary theme. It's a subject of forgiveness, and I know that this can be a difficult subject. Um, I completely understand that. Some of you this morning are sitting in this room, and you have some really difficult scars that remind you of some really difficult circumstances that have taken place in your life, and I understand that. My goal today is not to reopen a wound just to bring that hurt back. But my goal today, if a wound of unforgiveness happens to be reopened, my goal is to help you find biblical healing today. Biblical healing. Forgiveness. I... Forgive you. Whew. Forgiveness. Maybe even more humbling. You forgive me. Can we all, by by show of hands this morning, acknowledge that we have maybe been on both ends of forgiveness before in our lives? Would you... My pride gets so worked up in that first one, I forgive you, because it's like, eats at my pride. But man, it smacks me down in humility when someone forgives me. This is a heavy subject today, and I'm not going to dance around the subject this morning. It's an important subject. There is not a more intertwined theme of the gospel than the subject of forgiveness. If we don't understand forgiveness, we don't understand the gospel, okay? Some of you today, and I will go ahead and say this, this is not going to be a major theme of the, of the sermon today, but some of you today, the forgiveness needs to be inner, and you need to learn to forgive yourself. That's not the theme of today, but that is an element of forgiveness. Some of you in this room need to understand that Jesus forgave you on the cross, And so you need to forgive yourself. That's not the theme. But if that's for you this morning, then that's why you're here today. But what is forgiveness? What is it? The most simplistic definition that I ran across as I was researching the word was the letting go of sin. Or the letting go, maybe sin might be a strong word even though it's a biblical word, the letting go of a hurt or the letting go of wrong, a wrong. What's a more complex definition? Here's my definition. Choosing to cease holding one's wrongdoing against them, knowing that God is the one who avenges All evil. I'll say it again. It is choosing, I mean, this was very grammatically correct. Let me say it like I would say it. Choosing to not hold the wrong against someone. Knowing that God is the one who avenges all evil. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. I'm not going to be able this morning to deeply... Cover this topic. So, what my plan is is to return to it next Sunday for the couple of families that will be here on Labor Day weekend. All right. So, I was I was talking I was talking to someone earlier this morning. It's funny, and we're coming up on five years. Some holiday weekends, I'm like, ain't nobody gonna be there. Like, whatever, whatever. And then like hundred people show up, and then the next time, I'm like, man, I think a lot of people are in town. It's gonna be a great day. And it's like, hello, everyone. Three of you out there. So like, I'm not. Try not to set the expectation, but I understand it is a holiday weekend, and we will also speak on forgiveness next weekend. But the story here is that Paul sends a man named Tychicus and Onesimus to deliver the, the letter to the church of that Colossae. That's what we just did for fourteen weeks. We went through that letter, okay? And also, most scholars believe to deliver this letter, a more personal letter. From Paul to Philemon, who was the slave owner and former ruler of Onesimus. In the brief version of the story, Onesimus was a slave that belonged to Philemon. And we spoke last week a little bit of like, what does the Bible say about slavery and what does it not say about slavery and how does it attack uh, the institution of slavery, and I believe, I believe we let it. We we did a, a decent job of explaining that last week. I'm not going to dig into that. So, the facts are the facts. He was a slave that belonged to Philemon. He did wrong to Philemon. He either took something, or he was dishonest, or in some way he wronged his master. And so he takes off. He flees from Philemon. So Onesimus flees. He's a slave. He flees from his owner uh, uh, and, and his his master Philemon. He doesn't just flee. He winds up in Rome. Rome was a quick 1,300-mile journey. That's where he winds up. He didn't just flee. He didn't just go to Timberlake. You know, he didn't just go to Apex. And my man took off. All right, so he went. He got more than likely on a boat through the Mediterranean Sea. And it just so happens As we all know, those of us that believe in the sovereignty and providence of God, nothing just so happens. But it just so happens that Onesimus, this runaway slave, interacts with a man named Paul the Apostle in Rome. What are the chances? I don't know if they were out at a restaurant. I believe, as I said last week, I believe Onesimus was in prison. Again, because he was a con. But anyway, let's say they were at at a Mexican restaurant there in Rome. I don't know. Uh, Let's just say they were sharing some... uh, Chips and salsa, man, I'm just trying to speak it into existence. But um, can you imagine the, hey, you're not from here? Oh, you're from Colossae? Oh, yeah, I know some people in Colossae. Yeah, I know of a church there. Epaphras is the pastor. Yeah, yeah, he's like, oh, Epaphras is the pastor. I think my former master goes to that church. I think my former master Who's your former master? Oh, it's Philemon. Oh, I know who Philemon is, Paul says. Can you imagine in that day, 1,300 miles away, and you like meet up with somebody that knows, like you you have common people? That's just so weird, so crazy. But somehow it happened, as fate would have it, as God in his sovereignty would have it. And so Paul writes this letter from Paul back to Philemon to let him know that Onesimus had met with him in Rome and that he had come to faith in Christ. That Paul had led him to faith in Jesus. And that, that not only had he led him to faith in Jesus, but now it was time for Onesimus to return home to Colossae. And he is, he is writing this letter on behalf, really, of Onesimus to say, would you receive him? Would you receive him? And really what he's asking is, would you forgive him? Heavenly Father, speak through your word. May forgiveness be understood today. May forgiveness where needed be acted upon today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want us to see a couple of truths this morning about forgiveness. And if you'll bear with me today, if the Holy Spirit so leads, I may, I may stay somewhere for a little bit. Because I believe that we need to, that we need to sometimes. Number one, biblical forgiveness is motivated by love. Okay? Biblical forgiveness is motivated by love. Any righteous act, any fruit of the Spirit, any thing that we do that is a good thing, the best motivator is always love. Okay? Let's, the best motivator for me to get up here and preach a sermon today is because I love the people of Keystone Church, and I love God's Word and I love your families and I love you individually and I want what's best for you. That's the best motivation. We're coming up on five years. There have been a handful of Sundays where I gotta be honest with you, I did not come up here and preach with the best motivation. There's been a couple times I've come up here and preached because it was my job, man. It was my duty. You ever gone to work that sometimes because it is just your duty, your job. <laughs> so we about to testify. Yeah, I get you. But may I say this in general, the best, greatest, gospel-centered, grace-centered motivator ever is love. Is love. If you're a good husband because your wife guilts you into it, it's not going to be long before you're a bad husband. If you're a bad employee or a good employee because you are guilted into it or there's an expectation there or there's a duty there, it won't be long before you will not be. And so motivation by love, look what Paul does. Paul commends Philemon's love in Philemon in this one chapter but chapter 1 and verse 7. Let's look at verse 7 the book of Philemon. Paul commends Philemon's love for we have heard oh sorry we have great joy and consolation in your love because of the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you brother. In your love because Philemon had love for the saints and Paul commends Philemon's love. He says listen we've heard that you love people You love the people of the church. And by the way, man, I love God's people. I love the people. I love people outside the walls, but I love people inside the walls too. And I love love the church. and, and, And Philemon did. We have great joy and consolation in your love. The hearts of the saints have been refreshed by Philemon. But Paul doesn't just commend Philemon's love, he then appeals to Philemon's love. So here's what Paul does: Paul says, Philemon, you love people. I know you love people. This is I can picture it. Isn't that right? Don't you love people? And, and Philemon's reading the letter, and he's like, yeah, I do. I, I really do. I really do love people. Look what he punches him with two verses later. He's like, oh, yeah. Philemon, you love people, right? You love people. Yet for love's sake, verse 9, I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul, the aged and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. So look at what, look what Paul does. He kind of throws him a curveball or a fastball. He's like, man, you love people, don't you, Philemon? Man, Philemon, I've heard about your love for people. So now I'm about to ask you to do something, and I'm going to appeal to that love. I'm about to ask you to forgive, but I want you to do it out of love. I don't want you to do it because I'm asking you to do it. I don't want you to do it because I'm commanding you to do it. I don't want you to forgive him uh, because you feel guilty about what, what you did. No, I am asking you to do this based upon the love that I know you have in your heart. And I believe that's important this morning. We should not base our decision to forgive this morning upon feelings. Because I'll be honest with you this morning. We will oftentimes not feel like forgiving one another if we're honest. We should not base our decision to forgive upon circumstances or how, how deep the wound was. We ought to begin our forgiveness journey with a heart of love a heart of love ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32 is a very popular verse of scripture when we speak of the topic of forgiveness it says and be kind to one another man that's paul's right there dear 2022 be kind to one another you say, Josh, what does that have to do with forgiveness? Oh, that has a lot to do with forgiveness. It's part of, of kindness and love. Be kind. Love one another. Be tenderhearted. Forgiving one another. What's the qualifier? Well, oh, it's even as God in Christ, he forgave you. By the way, Paul wrote the letter to the Ephesians here in this specific text at the same time he wrote the letter to Philemon in the same prison, in the same cell, in the same circumstances. Be kind, love one another, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgive one another. Even as God in Christ forgave you, when you begin this morning to grasp the love of Christ and how he loved you so much that he chose to forgive you, you begin to have your eyes opened to how you should forgive Others, And you may say, you don't understand what he did or what she did. Or you don't understand what he said to me or what she said to me. You don't know the, the, the deep wounds that I carry from him or from her. You don't know how they acted toward me. You don't understand uh, how insulting they were to me. And I respond with grace and say that none of us, you or, or I, don't understand just how much Christ was wronged and he was lied about and he was spit on and he was insulted and what they said about him and how they acted toward him, how they attempted to murder him, how they disobeyed his commands, how they mocked him, how they rejected him. How they refused his teachings and lived a life of sin. How they ultimately called his name to go up on that cross. How they ultimately shouted for him to be the one crucified. And Jesus forgave. Forgive. Forgive forgive what did he say because they don't even know what they're doing forgive Jesus forgave for the sake of love he forgave you and he forgave me all for the sake of love and he calls us to forgive others so, number one, biblical forgiveness is motivated by love this morning. It's motivated by love, but the second truth I want us to understand when we speak on the subject of biblical forgiveness as it relates to Philemon is that biblical forgiveness targets biblical reconciliation. Biblical forgiveness targets biblical reconciliation. Philemon in verse 12 says it this way. Paul says, I am sending him back and he instructs Philemon, you therefore receive him. Receive him. A deeper word, you therefore reconcile to him. You therefore make the wrong right. Receive him. As would be the culture in that day if a slave had run away especially if they had committed some crime man an owner would never receive that slave back in fact if you were caught you were probably killed and he instructs him to receive him to reconcile with him look at verse 15 same book philemon for perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose that you might receive him No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. Biblical reconciliation. You see, the purpose of forgiveness is not for myself and Greg to have a conversation and we're at odds with one another and for us to say, okay, we're going to put down our weapons, Pastor Josh has preached, okay, Greg, I'm sorry I wronged you, I'm really sorry, man, will you forgive me? Yeah? Okay. And like, I don't like Greg again, I don't want to hang around with Greg again still, there's still conflict there, but we verbally said... It's like two brothers. Now, y'all, parents, y'all been there? Like, you will apologize to your sister. Oh, I will? Yes, you will. It's like, sorry. You will forgive me. We've all been there. But biblical forgiveness actually targets something much deeper. Right, Biblical forgiveness, it targets reconciliation. N.T. Wright says it this way. If the gospel both Philemon and Onesimus have embraced is the message of reconciliation, then it must be able to bring together slave and free as it did Jew and Greek. If the gospel is truly a gospel of reconciliation, and forgiveness brings with it reconciliation, if that can bring the Jews and the Greeks together, then it can bring the slave and the free together. Basically what he's saying is, there's no one it can't bring together. There is no reason to preach a gospel of reconciliation Of us reconciled to our creator God. Through Jesus Christ. Through the blood of Christ. There is no reason for us to preach. That gospel of reconciliation. If we are not willing. To put that reconciliation into practice. In our everyday lives. We don't truly believe it. If we won't practice it. This reconciliation that Paul was challenging Philemon to. Was more than an acknowledgement of wrongdoing. It was more. More than that it was a call for for Philemon to reconcile to Onesimus and not just to say, hey, I forgive you. You can come back and work for me as a slave. No. We talked about this last week. Philemon had to see him for who he was in Jesus. He calls him to reconcile as a brother. He says, I want your former slave, because of Jesus, because of forgiveness, because of the gospel, I want your former slave to be your brother. I want you to bring him back, and not as an employee, but as a fellow co-worker. I want him to come back, and I want you to model forgiveness, and I want you to reconcile on a deeper level than you ever have with this person that wronged you. What does Matthew 18 tell you? If there's an issue between two people and you go to them one-on-one and they hear you, what does it say? You will gain a, a brother. You'll gain a brother. Reconcile. Reconcile. It may be easier for us to say in our flesh, I forgive you, but you're not welcome back in my life. But Jesus calls us to not only forgive, but to then reconcile. Biblical forgiveness, biblical forgiveness targets biblical reconciliation. And thirdly, and I believe this is very important for us this morning. Biblical forgiveness requires humility from all. Biblical forgiveness requires humility from all. Paul is not asking for bygones to be bygones. He is not asking Philemon and Onesimus to just drop it. That's what I want to say sometimes. Hey, just drop it. That's not what he's asking them to do. He seeks the specifically Christian virtue of loving forgiveness which will demand humility from both men Onesimus humility to seek forgiveness Philemon humility to grant forgiveness listen to this this morning in order for this to happen between Onesimus And Philemon, Onesimus had to abandon fear. That was his humble step. And Philemon had to abandon pride. This was not going to work if Onesimus showed up on Philemon's doorstep and said, here you go, bucko. You like how I use bucko there? Threw it at him. That that wasn't going to work. It requires humility by all. You know what this, this letter to Philemon teaches us? It teaches us that whether you have been wronged or you have done the wrong, your participation is needed for biblical forgiveness to take place. Listen to me. No matter if you are the one who has done the wrong or you are the one who has been wronged. Your participation is needed for biblical forgiveness to take place. It was important that Onesimus be willing to approach Philemon with this letter. And it was also important that Philemon respond properly to the contents of this letter. The danger would be if if one of them did not step in humbleness, the danger would that there would continue to be unresolved tension. And it's dangerous both for the person who has been wronged as well as the person who did the wrong. Have you done something wrong to someone? And left that relationship unresolved? From your perspective, it's not up to them to come to you. Forgiveness can be initiated by either party. Listen to me this morning, because sometimes I have people try to like, they're like, I want to forgive, but you know what? I've got to wait. And listen, in the book of Philemon... The person who did the wrong, okay, was was being commanded to initiate the conversation. Philemon, you did the wrong, I want you to forgive him. In Matthew 18, what does it say? If someone has wronged you, what should you do? You should go to them. So the Bible tells it both ways. The Bible says if you are the one who's done the wrong, you should initiate a conversation about forgiveness. You should request it and ask forgiveness humbly. The Bible also says, if someone has done you wrong, you should go and have a humble conversation with them about that. About and get the the subject of forgiveness started. So the Bible tells it both ways. So this morning you can't say, well, someone did me wrong, I'm waiting for them to come ask for forgiveness, and then I'll consider it when that happens. That's not, if we take a full view of Scripture... It does not matter who was wronged or if you were wronged or if you had wrong done to you. The Bible shows us both ways, so that neither the one who has been wronged nor the one who did the wrong have an excuse to let unresolved conflict continue. Forgiveness. It's, for the last 15, 20 minutes, it's the little name that's been floating around your mind. Maybe. It's when I say, I know someone has wronged you. It's the person's name that pops in your head. Maybe it's when I say, who have you wronged? It's the person's name that pops in your head. That's what I'm talking about today. Whoever that is. Who is it in your personal life? What is it in your personal life? Where is there unresolved and unforgiven conflict or tension? Were you the one who was in the wrong? Were you the one who had wrong done to you? And may I say this morning, if you're here today and you've had wrong done to you, in every situation of forgiveness in the Bible, the people had legitimate wrong done to them. I'm not here today as a pastor to try to say they didn't really do you wrong and you need to get over it. That's not 180 degrees from that. But the gospel of Jesus calls me and calls you to forgive. And it's only through that lens of grace that any of this makes sense. Let me remind you this morning of what forgiveness is. It's choosing to cease holding one's wrongdoing against them. So stop holding what they did wrong against them. Knowing that God is the one who avenges all evil. Man. Some of you may have a a mom or a dad who have wronged you in your life. You may have had people that you look up to. It may be a teacher or a coach. Or as we've gotten older, maybe it's a friend. Someone you really, man, you really counted on. Maybe it's an extended family member or a co-worker. And they've done you wrong. And I want to say, if they did you wrong, they did you wrong. It's wrong what they did was wrong but may I say this if you will not begin the process of reconciliation through forgiveness guess what you're suffering you're suffering right now you're suffering if you're one in this room that has done has been the one who has done wrong to someone else the burden of not just your heart but the burden of their heart, man, that gets heavy. To know that you've wronged someone and your pride won't let you go and begin that process of reconciliation, man, that's that's not Christ-like. That's not Christ-like. You say, Josh, what's the purpose of today? I, I don't know. Maybe it's for me to try to play the role of Paul and say, for the Philemon's in the room, I really need you to approach the person you've wronged and make it right. That's going to take humility. That's going to take embarrassment sometimes. It's going to take awkwardness. It's going to take awkward conversations because here's the thing. What you're going to find out sometimes is you remember doing something wrong to someone and they may have forgotten it. And then you're like, oh man, you mean I held on to this for so long and they just went about their life? And you're going to be embarrassed, but it's okay. It's okay. It's part of being a Christian. And maybe my goal today is for those of you in this room that are Onesimus. That you would be able to willing to begin the process of reconciliation. I can tell you this. When I refuse to forgive, I am not right with God. That's me. I'm not right with him. When I know there's something there, I'm not quite right. And it is only when I will make it right, right here, that my fellowship with Christ seems to open back up to where it needs to be. And so I'm asking you this morning, who is it? And then what do you need to do about it? The most biblical thing that could happen today, and you say, Josh, it's not that big a deal, though. Well, it's as big, it's big a deal for you to bring it up in your head. So it's probably a big enough deal for you to deal with it. The most biblical thing that could happen today would be, maybe maybe it's people inside this room. Maybe it's someone inside this room. That there'd be little small conversations happen as we dismiss today. Of like, hey, I'm really sorry. I didn't, I really, I, I don't know what I was thinking. And I'm really sorry. I had to do that last week to somebody in our church. Hey, I'm really sorry. I did not even think about that. I did not think about what I did that it would affect you like that. And I'm really sorry. There needs to be a little conversation. Or if it's someone that's not in this room, there needs to be a phone call. There needs to be a lunch this week. There needs to be communication that takes place. It says, listen, I've harbored something. I've held this in. And I just need to get this out. And I need to fix this. We need to move forward. There are nuances to this, and as we close, there are nuances. If you've been wronged, and the person that wronged you is not, does not seek your forgiveness, doesn't care, has moved on with life, hates you, I understand there's nuances to this. And sometimes you just have to get before God and say, God, I forgive that person who won't speak to me, who won't let me come to them. God, I, before you, I forgive them. I understand there are nuances. There are people, and I hate this, there are people that have hurt people that have passed away. And the person that hurt them is no longer living. Or they hurt them and now they're no longer living. God forbid. That's tough. So there are nuances. There are nuances. But for the most part today, I'm calling you to this. Forgive. Why? Because of love. Why? Even as God and Christ forgave you. You know every evil thought you've had. You've probably forgotten some of them, but you know, you know how bad you are. And even worse, you know how bad other people are. And Jesus forgives. Heavenly Father, would we just would we just be willing to do exactly what you sent Jesus to do? to forgive. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystone If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.